With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the NFL! Welcome to the NFL, rookie. Hello, my lovely people. It is another episode of the DWZ Rookie Rundown. As always, I am your host, Dallas. You can find me on Twitter at Salad Galore. And this week is a fun and feisty episode that we are going to be going over what I like to call kind of a pre-draft heat check with analytics at the base and core of the argument. We have my buddy Britt, the FF Sandman, on Twitter here to chat and basically give me a heat check. We're going over players. If you've been following along here on the DWZ channel, over the last couple of weeks, I've gone over my individual ranks. And then last week, I went over um, basically the ECR that I'm currently using as a comparison tool for my players. So this is basically an episode where we're going to cover five players that I am significantly higher on compared to said ECR and five players I am significantly lower on compared to ECR. And then just kind of, you know, shoot the shit a little bit, talk a little bit about the draft, um, some individual hot takes that we may have, and some predictions to gloat about on the fantasy scope. Uh, If we do end up hitting on those on this illustrious Thursday next week, we are officially one week out. But Britt, tell the people who you are. Um, Give a little intro. This is the first time outside of um, the repeat of your episode last year where I appeared, where they've heard your sultry voice. So just lay it on them for them. I was going to say, I think we just did an episode like this last year where it was like, who's going to be the best? And we just did not great on any of them. (laughs) Uh, You can find me on Twitter at the FF Sandman. Uh, Most of my content is rookie related or Debbie related because I just, I like that more. Um, I'm probably someone that hears shit on your favorite player for numerous reasons. And hopefully I can do that in a very fun and wonderful way. Uh, for your guys' Dallas's, but I think most of you guys that you like, I'm pretty lock and step with, except for a couple of them. So I'm excited to be here and uh, ready to to put some feet to the trail, or whatever that stupid analogy is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. To, uh, foot to the pavement, I think is what it is. You know Something what like that, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. We'll go with it. It's our new saying if it wasn't. Nailed it! <laughs> yeah, perfect. All right, well, yeah, without further ado, like I said, we have five players that I'm significantly higher on and five players that I'm significantly lower on. Um, just a quick recap on how I do the ECR. The ECR, um, a lot of people like to pull from one individual site that pulls in a lot. Fantasy Pros is the most common. I did use Fantasy Pros just because of the sheer number of actual analysts that you're getting that. So that's kind of a real world look as to how the dynasty and how the fantasy rookie space views these players. And then I also brought in PFF to give a real kind of pre-draft analysis as to how the true analytical football minds are ranking these players. I then also brought in one of my personal favorite analysts, Justin Boone's rankings with the score. And then I rounded it out with one of my favorites when it comes to running backs and tight ends specifically with Establish the Run, their consensus rankings. Um, Evan Silva is one of my favorite analysts out there in the space. I pay attention to specifically, as I said, his running back and tight end rankings. And so I wanted just to kind of bring in all different scopes of the dynasty 
rookie content that you can have from a ranking standpoint to see where I truly stacked up from the far right, far left, and the people in the middle. Um, So the first player is probably the person that I'm the most bullish on. And those of you that have listened to my um, content know why. When it comes to pre-draft and pre-landing spot, when I'm looking at the running back position, nothing is more important to me than the ability to run the football. Um, For me, receiving ability at the running back position is a binary case. You're either a valid or an invalid. You're a one or a zero. So as long as you've proven that you can catch the ball and that you do not fight the ball, I'm okay with it. Um, a lot of times the landing spot is going to dictate it more. Um, one of my favorite analogies or analysis is to actually look at it is the case of the 20, I guess that would be six, no, 2017 NFL draft in the class where you had Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, and Kareem Hunt. Leonard Fournette and Joe, uh, Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt averaged right around that 11 receptions per year in college before they came out. Joe Mixon averaged over 30. And when you look at their averages since landing in their schemes, which they've been on for the majority of their career outside of, you know, the slight change that first year for both players, basically, uh, you now see Leonard Fournette and Kareem Hunt averaging north of right around 40 receptions per year over their careers. And you see a guy like Joe Mixon at under 30. So I think it does have a lot to do with landing spot, but That's just how I see running backs. That's why a lot of the guys that I have higher pre-draft and pre-landing spot are the pure runners. And I like guys that have boom seasons on the resumes. And one of the biggest boom seasons we've seen over the last couple of years is my boy, Abram Smith. When I have him right now as pre-draft as a pure runner from what I saw last year, he is a linebacker convert. That's why he only has one year of production. He was one of those weird guys that went from running back to linebacker, back to running back. Even though he was actually pretty good at uh, linebacker, he was a starter for six games last year in that shortened season for Baylor. Um, But he comes in and he's my RB6, which I know is spicy. I know it's hot takey, um, but Shane Hallam also has him inside of his top 12. Uh, So it's one of those things where I, I like him a lot as a runner he's extremely decisive and he is one of those guys where when he sees the hole you may not think he's fast but if you give him any space he's going to hit it and he's going to hit it real real damn far with him as running back 20 so i'm a whopping 14 spots for the equivalent of what you're looking at i would be looking at him at that late to early three as where I value him at and most of the dynasty community isn't even drafting him in a four round rookie mock so what's your take Where do you see Abram Smith? Tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why I'm right. Let the people know. Yeah. So, I mean, the good thing is, is that if you have people on your channel that like Kenneth Walker, then they should like Abram Smith too, because their knocks are pretty similar in terms of like, they just have awful career or like receiving in target shares. Right. So like analytical perspective, you want a target share ideally above 8%, at least for one season, if not multiple seasons, preferably over 8% as a career average. Right. So, uh, Abram Smith, granted, he was a linebacker trans or um, a linebacker convert, so like his career average is a bit busted. But his best target share was obviously his 2021 year, where he had most of his work, and he had 4.38 percent, which is just god awful. And so you say, okay, so maybe he didn't get a bunch of targets, but maybe he he saw like a decent amount of receiving yards in his it, it, with those target share. Well, he only averaged 5.1 recept percent of the receptions um, in the offense as well, and so. You know, I I think when it comes to ranking Abram Smith, you're not wrong in terms of like he offers value 
as a late round running back, right? Like he definitely mm-hmm. gives you that. Um, he gives you that. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? That that ground and pound type of guy. He's going to be that grinder, that 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 thunder back. But what he isn't going to give you is he isn't going to give you a receiving ceiling. And yes, you mentioned Cream Hunt. You also mentioned Leonard Fournette. And you know Leonard Fournette's a fun one where people like to bring up him and AJ Dillon. But what they're what's missing with Leonard Fournette specifically is that he had one season of eleven point of, a, of an eleven point nine percent target share. He also had another season of a seven point four per target share. He had a career average of just under eight percent at seven point five three. So Leonard Fournette was used as a receive as a receiving back in LSU, just not at the rate because they weren't using like they weren't throwing to the running back right and mm-hmm. i mean honestly the receptions it, 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 as funny as it sounds it's less about them actually catching the ball it's more about the coach recognizing that they're a dynamic talent and finding other ways to get their talent into open field and it's just very clear that abram smith isn't that type of guy and again like there is a place for abram smith he probably should be drafted in the top four rounds and draft capital is going to be really kind to you here he's probably going to be a day three pick so you can drop him down in your rankings without kind of suffering any sort of blowback because you just you you have to drop running backs in day three. He's definitely someone that I'm going to be targeting because again, like this is a really great season and at Baylor's 2021 season, it's just not someone that I would necessarily put above Samir White. Uh, um, goodness, I'm forgetting Brian Robinson, Rashad White, James Cook, even you know throwing mm-hmm. a couple of those bigger backs. Those are my main concerns with Abram Smith. I think he's a fun guy. I think I have him ranked around like running back 13, running back 14, sort of somewhere in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I That's what I've been basically touting to the people on my channel and out in the Twitter sphere is that if you like Kenneth Walker, there's no reason not to love Abram Smith at the value that you're going to get him because you're not paying the 103 to pick him up. You're not having to spend a pick on him, honestly. Um, realistically, we're not expecting high draft capital. So when I'm looking at him from a purist talent standpoint before the draft i love him um this is the most bullish player that i have just because i love his tape watching him he's a really fun running back to look at but i'm just going to read you some of the stats in rankings that he had at a bunch of different categories this year with his 2021 season so yes he's a convert yes he's a one-year wonder just like kenneth walker but he had 1601 rushing yards that ranked fourth in all of fbs he had 1011 yards after contact that was ranked first in all of fbs he had 79 first downs gained on the ground first in fbs he had 677 yards against stacked boxes of eight plus men that ranked third in the country he had 6.23 yards per carry that's higher than every single running back in all of college football with over 200 carries and every running back in college football outside of Kennedy Brooks, who was just shy of 200 carries at 6.33 yards per carry. He had 2.15 yards before contact, which is 123rd in the country, meaning his offensive line was straight trash. And he had 1.3 times the yardage per touch compared to every other running back on his team, which is second in the country behind his comparison that was ranked higher in Kenneth Walker. So when you're just looking at it, his 2021 season, it's one of the most prolific seasons that we've seen. No one's talking about him at all. He's falling behind. But if you watch Big 12 football like I did, he was the best running back in the Big 12 last year from a standpoint of production. He was better than what you saw with a lot of guys outside of Brees Hall's touchdown production. So it's just one of those players where I'm really bullish on him, really bullish on the stand point of his skill set but i completely understand that he's probably not going to get the draft capital it's just where i have him ranked as a pure runner (laughs) 
I think you're muted, bud. <laughs> Fun, love that. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was agreeing with you too. I was like, yeah, man, like you're right. Uh, you know, you can get him really late, and you can you can be benefit you can benefit from sort of that that production boost that he's going to give you. It's just he he isn't going to give you a, a really high floor, which again is fine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll get out of that one. That was a lengthy prospect. I just wanted to talk about him so people understood exactly why I was coming from mm-hmm. the standpoint that I was coming at. Uh, number two is another running back for me. It is a running back that was a transfer from Texas to the illustrious D. In my rankings, ECR has him as RB24. Um, so that's even worse than a guy like Abram Smith right now when you combine all the rankings. That's what I'm saying. There are some some sources out there that absolutely hate some of these guys. And so when you're looking at him, he was kind of a middling producer over the last couple of years. He was trying to fight his way through that Texas backfield. He never really stuck in Texas. Ends up getting the workhorse role in USC, flourishes, has the best season of his career. Um, his tape looks amazing. And he looks like a three down workhorse. He just does not have the statistics over the last couple of years to truly back it. When he has the ball in his hands, he's one of those guys where he's good, but he's not as much as a true projection prospect, which for those of you that know me, I hate people that are just purely projection. We're going to talk about another guy on my significantly lower list that I think you're going to agree with because I saw your tweet from about 40 minutes ago talking about him. Uh, So when I'm looking at Keontae Ingram, he was working with a subpar offensive line, basically both schools that he went to. Texas didn't have anything that was wild. USC didn't have anything that was wild. The offenses kind of were stagnating as football teams in general his entire time in college. But what is really enticing that no one's talking about from his prospect profile, he had 90 career receptions over his three years in college. So it's just one of those players. It's a huge plus. It's a huge uptick on a player where if you're looking for a late round flyer on a guy that does have a three down Skill set, unlike Abram Smith, Keontae Ingram's your guy, and he's dirt cheap right now. Uh, yes. I'm just going to preface all this with yes. Keontae Ingram is the guy that you need to be looking at, especially as a sleeper. Uh, I think I right now I have Keontae Ingram, my running back, 14. He's nuzzled just behind Kevin Harris and just in front of Pierre Strong Jr. I mean, like you, you everything you said is true, right? He He's shown multiple seasons where he's been a sufficient runner. He's has the target share. He's got a high of 7.25%. He's seen 11.4% of the team's receiving yards. I'm going to double check that to make sure I'm not talking shit. Um, and like he, he, he's got the size. He's got the production profile. He has ad- ad- adequate speed, a 105 speed score. You know, like He has everything you want to be as a three-down workhorse. The only issue is, is like he never got better throughout college, right? Which, I mean there's a reason why we're talking about him as a lower ranked prospect and a higher ranked prospect. That's simply it. And also there's a dude named Bajon Robinson that came in and said, this is my, I'm the captain now. Right. And I'm not going to knock him necessarily for not being able to keep Bijan off the field, because if, if he did that, he'd be probably have to be better than Brees Hall right now. But uh, Keon Ingram is just someone I'm very excited for someone I'm very high on uh, someone that I just truly adore. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. All right. So we'll continue on to the third player here. Uh, when I'm looking at another running back, it's the last running back that I'm significantly higher on. This is a guy where if he if he had the athletic profile of some of the other running backs in this class, we would be skyrocketing him up the ranks based off of his collegiate production in the similar vein to a guy like Sincere McCormick, except this was a power five 
player that played in the same conference as a Brees Hall. He just didn't run as fast. But guess what? He had a thousand plus yards in every single one of his years in college. Mr. Kennedy Brooks at Oklahoma. Um, he might have the best patience and best like pure instincts. And it's like a fun little trope trigger word for a lot of people. But from the running back position, when you watch him run, he's got some Le'Veon Bell, like that type of patience to his game. Again, not even remotely the athlete that Le'Veon was, not even remotely the receiving upside that Le'Veon had, but just the way that he runs. And he's one of the few running backs, a la Le'Veon, that can get away with being as patient as he is because his long speed isn't good, but he has a ton of burst through the hole where he's slow to the line, but he bursts through it and he is extremely productive. Um, he's not a burner, like I said, but he makes defenders pay if they get a little bit lazy. And he, if I have to bet on a running back getting me four yards, it's probably Kennedy Brooks. If the play is blocked correctly, he he's going to do what he's supposed to every time. And that's why I like him. I have him as RB. 13 in the class ECR has him as RB 22. And again, it's another pure runner that I like a lot just from the way that he runs the ball. We'll see where the landing spot takes him. Yeah. So I think Kennedy Brooks suffers from missing a year due to COVID. That's truly yeah. what it is. Cause if he didn't miss a year to COVID, I think he would have put up another thousand yard season, which he put up 2000 yard seasons. It, He's just, he's a good guy, right? He's a good player. He has all the tools. He's got the size. He's another person that just is being under or being under reported and talked about because he sort of fell off the face of the planet, and everyone's like, I don't really care. And Kenny Brooks has the same mm-hmm. issues as uh, as Abram Smith. He just wasn't involved as a receiving back. And these are just when you draft him, you have to acknowledge the fact that you're just going to be leaving those that reception upside on the table. But I mean, I, I can think of a bunch of teams where Kennedy Brooks would be a very prolific guy. I think if you want, if you like Malcolm Brown or guys in that sort of archetype, then you're going to like Kennedy Brooks. Someone mentioned mm-hmm. Kennedy Brooks to Miami, and I, I had to change my pants. Um, he's going to be prolific. You can get him exceptionally late, and he's going to be productive on your fantasy football teams. Probably annoyingly so, because he's going to take some really awesome work away from your favorite players. But I, I like Kennedy Brooks. I have him ranked lower right now just because I don't have a landing spot, and so... Why would I rank him high? He's uh, behind Jerry and Ely and just ahead of Max Borgie. So yeah. uh, I, I have a Debbie share of him because I liked his 1,000-yard seasons. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you're not far off with liking Kenny Brooks here. Yeah, uh, and with me, you were talking about landing spots. For him, any team, AFC East, Buffalo, they're looking for a true back. That's why they took Zach Moss. Kenny Brooks is the discount fills a role that they don't have on the team. Miami does the exact same thing. Compliment to Chase Edmonds. The Jets, the perfect compliment to Michael Carter as the true banging running back through the middle with patience, a la Javante, with slightly less violence. Um, but yeah, so when I'm looking at running backs, he's up there. Again, all of the guys that I have that I'm higher on, it's my process with running back before it. So again, I've gotten some flack for it. I'm just trying to explain to the people, as I've been doing over the last couple weeks, how I do running backs. Um, a guy I am higher on that I don't care what anyone says is my boy Khalil Shakir. And we went in depth about that. <laughs> Khalil Shakir on one of your episodes. Um, I have him as wide receiver seven right now in my ranks and ECR has him as wide receiver 16. Uh, when I'm just looking at him, just quick synopsis, he's an all around dynamo size, speed, all hit the metrics production. He's a returner. He's an inside and an outside wide receiver. He's a run after the catch specialist, 
with contested catch and chops. So the biggest issue that I have with the way that people are currently ranking Khalil Shakir is the fact that there is currently a eight spot difference in ECR between Sky Moore and Khalil Shakir in most people's boards. And we talked about this in yours. They're basically the same player. And in my opinion, Khalil Shakir is a better run after the catch player than Sky Moore is. So then at that point, yes, slightly better production over the collegiate career. When you look at a guy like Sky Moore, I personally think that that was his quarterback, Ellaby, being slightly better than Boise State's quarterback. Um, but when you're looking at Shakir, I, I don't understand the difference between Sky Moore and Shakir, and you're going to get him as a discount in your dynasty drafts. I love him. You want to know the difference between Sky Moore and Cleo Shakir is that uh, Sky Moore is an early commit or early declaree out of Western Michigan, right? Western Michigan. And Khalil Shakir yeah. is a fourth year player out of Boise State. Like that's truly one of the biggest differences. And we're talking about uh, when we're talking about like likelihood of hit rates and likelihood of having top five, top 12, top 24 seasons, being an early declare, meaning you're out your third year of college instead of your fourth year of college is really, really predictive. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear more about that, you guys can go listen to my latest episode. I just dropped with Jake Estes on uh, on Rookie on the Rise. Um, it's called Standing on an Ant Hill. And he kind of goes into into depth about that. But removed from him being an early declare, uh, Khalil Shakir is a second year. He's two years, two years removed from high school is when he broke out. He has a sufficient amount of stats taken out wide and in the slot. You know, he has like, people that are that like uh, – Christian Watson, Cleo Shakir did more than Christian Watson at a better like at a school that's you know a little better, but like that's what you want to see. You want to see him have this fifth or thirty five percent dominator rating. It's it's too bad they weren't able to play more games in twenty twenty because the dude was just straight mm-hmm. lightening it up, and it's really hard to like extrapolate seven games. So I just kind of throw that sample aside. But if you took that sample, you know he'd have a forty five percent target or forty six percent target or dominator rating there. He had a fifty uh, or a, what is it, forty-two and a half percent target, thirty-seven point four target share. There it is. <laughs> the dude's just electric. He dominated Boise State. I mean, I have him right now, right behind Christian Watson, um, and just in front of John Mechie. And like you said, he's probably going to be jumped up from there. He's he's a very tactile guy. He's going to be someone you can definitely get at a discount. The issue is, is what when do you take him and over what running back? is going to be the biggest sticking point in rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that completely makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's it's mainly just the discrepancy between him and Sky Moore that I have the biggest issue with. I just I don't understand it. Like, what uh, what's your difference between positional rankings between Sky Moore and him? If you have him sandwiched between Watson and Mechie, what is it, four spots for you? Let's see. I got Sky Moore at seven, so one, two, three. Yeah, he's four spots between Sky Moore and four spots. Uh, yeah, so that's a little bit better. They're like seven spots is the equivalent of a round and a half on average when you're looking at the wide receiver position. Like so, Sky Moore goes at the beginning of the second year, and I was taking Shakir until the end of the third. Like, eh, I'll take that I'll all take day. Shakir. I'll be so happy. Yeah, exactly. I'll take a yeah, and then we get to my last player that I'm significantly higher on. We'll uh, give people what they came for, the tight end position. Um, I love this tight end class a lot when it comes to a depth standpoint, just because there's a lot of guys that can do everything that you need them to do. And I like going after tight ends that are just bad slash good enough blockers to where they'll stay on the field, but they're not like George Kittle where you're going to ask them to block like 60% of the time. So that's the type of tight end that I like, and that's what you get with Charlie Kohler. He's your do-everything tight end out of Iowa State. 
He's one of the best all-around tight ends in the class. Um, average athlete, but he's good through contact and he's got sticky hands. Um, there's quite a few tight ends where they can't catch in traffic for some reason. It's an issue for quite a few of the like not true catchers in this class, I guess. Um, like I said, I think he's going to be able to be a true team's tight end one. Now, is that going to be prolific? I don't know. There's 32 tight end ones in the league right now, but not a lot of them produce fantasy points for you. But when I look at this class, I think he has one of the safest floors in the class, just without that high, high end upside. He's never broken out and had a boom season, but he's the only tight end in the class with over 500 yards in every season of his collegiate career. That's something to gloat about. Um, the next closest, I believe, is Jake Ferguson, and people hate Jake Ferguson. Ferguson. Um, that's another guy that I'm higher on than most, but I just like those safe four players. I'd rather do that than just do the straight upside hype train that goes on every year with the Donald Parham or this year's Jelani Woods. So, uh, I have a couple like prerequisites when it comes to tight ends. One of them being is they need to be athletic. If they aren't athletic, then I don't really want to bother with them because to be completely honest, it's just kind of, it, you're just lessening your likelihood of hitting as a tight end. If you look at all the tight ends, you kind of see that they all have this, like a similar athletic profile. They also have all the, like they have a really good look. And when you're looking at Charlie Kohler, like he, he is very impressive. He had a 20% dominator his second year out of college. He had a 39% dominator his senior year. He continually got better. And like the breakout threshold smaller for tight ends is because they're not involved less. It's like 15%. So he broke out very quickly. He had a, 1.89 yards per team passing him to his senior year, which is just fantastic. He's athletic. He has a, a 9.76 relative athletic score. Like there's nothing to be upset about Charlie Kohler, especially because you can take him so late in your drafts. It doesn't fucking matter. You run tight end premium drafts. I guarantee you that Charlie Kohler is not t- being taken until the last six picks. And yeah. honestly, he should be regardless of where he's taken, assuming he's not sandwiched behind one of the top six tight ends, even if he is, it, you have to look at him because he's very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And trust me, like that was one of my prefaces. Uh, I know that I'm slightly biased away. Like I said, that I do tight ends and running backs. I kind of lean towards that establish the run guys with their mentality. Um, just from like a true NFL staying on the field standpoint. And I think the opportunity matters a little bit more than athleticism for me at the tight end, just because we have so many trope guys every single year. Like last year's Kyle Granson, like, oh, athletic freak landed in a spot that they wanted him to go into. But guess what? Nothing. No production because he's a horrible blocker. Like just one of those guys where I, I, I just can't get in on the high upside athlete guys that are terrible in blocking because they just don't see the field. Uh, if your team has a slot receiver that's competent, they're not putting you in the slot. So you get outside work once every, I don't know, seven, eight snaps on offense in a game. So um, that's just my standpoint. But going to players that I'm significantly lower on than ECR, um, we talked about true projection players without lots of production that are basically people are watching, like you said, like the equivalent of a normal prospect of six or seven games worth of actual snaps and offensive plays and saying, wow, this guy's going to be a pro bowler at the next level. Um, my first two players on the list are running backs, and both of them meet that threshold for me. Um, Damian Pierce out of Florida right now is consensus RB7. Uh, he's tied for RB7 right now. I have him as RB18. He's only broke 100 carries twice in his year, but he's never eclipsed 106 carries in a season. Uh, he's physical as hell, but he just has average speed. He's shifty inside the tackles, but he runs similarly to another guy who has way more production this last year in Hassan Haskins, where when you watch him run, they kind of look like they're running out of control. They're just like 
full head of steam, flailing arms, flailing legs, constant jump cuts inside, which may look cool in college. And when you're going against guys that are going to be working at all state, it's not that big of a deal. But when you're going against the true athletes at the next level, you have to be an athlete. And that's not what we're getting with Damian Pierce. So what's your take on him? For me, Damian Pierce, he's it's super weird, right? Because he's played four years at Florida. He's mm-hmm. just sort of like there's an and and now Amalgus pull running back. He doesn't have a very special target share. He has a it's just his production profile is awful. And then he goes to super, the senior bowl and Jerome Ford's banged up and Rashad White didn't qualify or maybe qualified or something. He, he, Rashad White's there, but like Damian Pierce was there because he was such a good blocking running back. So like, cool. Okay. Yeah. So he's going to be on teams for third down. Great. But like he was hardly ever used as a receiver. His best receiving year is 2021 average 11.4 yards per reception, which is more than fine. But like, I don't know. I, I have him ranked, uh, let's see, running back two, four, six, eight, nine right now, just because like he's the last guy that has the hype right now, anticipating draft capital, as well Oops. as also. <laughs> he has a, he's the last guy that has, he, he's, the last guy, he's the last guy that has the hype and the draft capital along with the size as well. So like he's basically at the bucket, the very bottom of the tier for me. And I, I mean, I'm very indifferent on him. He very easily could fall very deep because he's just nothing special or sexy. Yeah. And that makes sense. It's just projection. I can't do the projection. I will miss on the pure projection guys because the odds of them hitting are significantly less to my take. Um, another guy for me is a guy that we kind of chatted about a little bit before. It's a quadre white. Uh, another guy that's up there. When you look at the ECR of these guys, he's inside the top 10. Ivan's RB 21. He has 104 total carries in his three year career. Uh, and it's for under 700 total yards. Um, so he's a good catcher of the ball with size and speed that are decent according to his combine metrics, but he's a complete projection similar to Pierce and similar to a guy, a wide receiver that we'll talk about in a little bit. And if you're going to be taking a running back in the second round, I'm not taking Zaquandre White. So I don't get it. He was in a split backfield with Kevin Harris, who I like significantly more. And I, I just don't get it. I don't get the hype behind Zaquandre White. He, he popped out of nowhere. He's a guy over the last couple of weeks where everyone's talking about him as like a sleeper running back, a guy in the mid rounds that you should take. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Thanks. I have 30 running backs ranked. Do you want to guess where Zaquandre Zaquandre White is ranked at right now? Uh, 29. No, he's not. I didn't fucking rank him because he doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) Who gives a shit about him? You want to know why he had a convert from linebacker at uh, South Carolina? Because their legend freshman, Marshawn Lloyd, tore his ACL. Like, well, fuck, we literally have no one else to run the ball but Kevin Harris which is partially why Kevin Harris had such a fantastic season. We better have someone to spell Kevin Harris so we don't give a nausea treatment and ruin him so we don't have him next year. Well, guess what? <laughs> He's ruined everywhere. And now you got this poor Zaquandre White kid just getting blasted. I mean, I don't know. He just he had great target share, so cool. Like, you had a 9.8% target share. That's great. I love that you have that. You got the size. Also fantastic. But, like, everything else, I could give less than three shits. You have a speed score of 859 you are like you were literally two hundredths of a second away from like the death knell at 40. I don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to rank you. I don't care if you get taken third overall to the fucking Buffalo bills. I'm not (laughs) doing it. I don't fucking care. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. Well, we're on the same page. Uh, probably the most controversial one that I have between my too high or too low is where I have Jahan Dotson for a lot of people. Um, I have him as wide receiver, wide receiver 15 uh, compared to ECR that has him as wide receiver 9, and it's completely due to his size and his lack of elite athleticism that he was supposed to have. Um, I am done taking dart throws at the small guys that are supposed to be great separators. Um, we've seen it time and time and time again. If you're up under six foot and you're under 180 pounds, which he came in at 178 pounds, which is just tiny. It's like just over 5'11", 180 pounds. For those that are curious, I weigh more than that. And I'm 5'10". Um, it's just a no-go for me. Um, he's completely average athletically. He has all the stats and counting stats you want from it. Yes, his tape is good. Completely understand that. So was Rondell Moore's. I just I can't do it anymore. And I'm probably just going to live and die on this hill if I'm not taking the small guys anymore. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, so there's, like, again, the biggest issue with Jahan Dotson is he wasn't an early declare. If he was an early declare, I would have been hot and bothered for him, right? He has had two seasons mm-hmm. of a dominator above 40%. He has a target share of two seasons where he had 28% and 31%. A yards per team attempt, both above two and a half the last two seasons. The issue is he does it as a senior. And, like, I just don't. I have a weird gut feeling about Jahan Dawson. I, every time someone talks about him, I'm like, ew, I don't fucking care. And then I get reminded because, like, his production profile is fantastic. He looks great. He really did. Like, he had everything you wanted to do. And then he comes to Combine and was <clears throat> sub-178. Like, oh, I thought you were, like, 190. What the hell happened? Like, you suck. Why can't you be what Sky, Mar- Sky Moore is? That's what the issue is, is that why go deal with Jahan Dawson and go get a Sky Moore? I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm just not into him. I don't really care about him. And I think that what he offers is very meh. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I agree. Like I said, like if he had came in at the same weight as Sky Moore or Khalil Shakir, I'd be way more into him. I would have him up and probably right around the top five, top six, top seven range right in there. Um, I just can't do it. I can't do it with his size. And that's just me. Um, the most pure projection guy that I think both of us just cannot stand the most right now, based off of the hype train that he's getting is Christian Watson. Um, right now I have him as wide receiver 13, um, ECR has him at tied for wide receiver six. Um, if you are taking him at wide receiver six above guys, like I would assume to be based off that ranking sky Moore or George Pickens, you need to slap yourself. Um, I just, I just can't do it. Um, he's an athletic freak, but he's pure projection at the FCS level, never topped 43 receptions in a season. And he alligator catches the ball a la DK Metcalf without the true dominator and everything like that, that DK had coming out. So, so his, I've been running, I've been like compiling rookie mocks per draft because I'm an idiot and I am just, I'm I'm dumb. I'm dumb. There's no reason to do this other than pure content. That's pretty much fucking it. He right now has a draft ADP of 14.95, just behind Sky Moore, just or just in front of Sky Moore, just in front of Jahan Dotson, just behind Corral and Ritter in a Superflex PPR Titan mm-hmm. premium. And I don't get the fucking allure of Christian Watson. Like he had a 26.8 uh, uh, fucking hell target share. Like that's not good at FCS. You're literally playing against guys. They're going to be getting their masters later because they aren't football players. He's going to be the only one out of the entire class, except probably the quarterback, that is going to be drafted in the fucking NFL. And then he only has like 35% of the team's receiving yards. Oh, but they don't throw very much. I don't fucking care if they don't throw very much. Good players earn targets. You aren't earning targets against fucking journeymen. 
name the last wide receiver that has panned out that has been good that is a workout warrior. There's literally none. We got burned by Denzel <laughs> Mims. We've been burned by everybody. And you're going to tell me the selling point for Christian Watson is the fact that he's 6'4", 208, and ran a 4'4", 340. I'm good. I'm going to pass. I know better. Right? And that's what I said. I said on Twitter, I said, convince me of Christian Watson why I should be going. Honestly, I was just baiting the guys that have Bison Dad in their Twitter bio because I love fucking with them. But, like, there is no reason. He shouldn't be picked in the top 80 unless 18, less, let alone the first two rounds. I don't give a shit if he goes in the first round to the fucking Packers. I'm not taking him until pick 15 because he just isn't going to hit. It's just – let's reframe that. He's just not a guy that I want to be putting high draft capital on and be just have him sit in my taxi squad for a year and a half. I, I don't want that there. Some other boner can go take him and be sad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Have fun with like a small school, less productive Doral Green Beckham mm-hmm. is what I would say. Um, but yeah, the last player on my significantly low less uh, low compared to ECR list is Mr. Jelani Woods at the tight end position. So I give you a high tight end and a low tight end. Right now he's consensus tight end five. Um, based off of pure athletic profile in one productive year. Um, if you combine his production from the first three years in college, he had a total of one reception. Um, he almost doubled that yardage and uh, got slightly more receptions in his final year. He was an athletic freak at the combine, but when you actually look at him on the field, he doesn't know how to use his athleticism. You saw him, I think, maybe three i'll give him three uh run after the catch where you're like oh yeah there's the athleticism in his entire career and other than that it's catch dive fall down that's all you get that's what you get with a guy who is supposedly supposed to be breaking records as a giant billboard but he's a hype train billboard and he's a stop that i'm not getting on so what about you uh, same argument applies that for Jelani Wood as applies for Christian Watson. The only other difference is that with tight end, at least you need athleticism and he has that. It sucks because like literally the only reason that he got the production that he got at Virginia Tech is Virginia, Virginia, is because James Mitchell, who is the superior tight end, was out for the entire season. If that didn't happen, we wouldn't yeah. know who Jelani was. He would have never gotten a pro or a combine invite. We would have heard about him at a pro about his pro day. He would have faded away eight hours later, and we would have carried on with our lives perfectly fine. And all of this is to say, you still have to kind of rank him highly, and you kind of have to respect the fact that he may get have enough dr- hype where he can have the draft capital. And like, sure, there's guys that I like. He's a guy I'd be happy taking a a shot on but I don't think I would actually invest a rookie pick in him. I'd just take him undrafted. And even then, I don't know. I think James Mitchell is a much better Virginia tight end out of there, and you can literally get him for free. In an auction, they would give you money for taking him. Like, he is a slam, and I think Jelani Woods, you're right on with this. He's just someone that's like cool, awesome, but like, eh, who cares anymore? Eh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have James Mitchell at tight end 9, and I have Jelani Woods at tight end 10, so that's – where I see them. Um, but yeah, so that pretty much wraps up the ECR. I figured we'd touch quickly on just a little bit about the draft. So just thinking about all the fun things going on. Um, Thursday will be the first draft that I can remember and probably the first draft in history where one half of the total overall picks are held with eight teams. Um, 16 picks are held between eight teams, and there are eight teams, including the Bears, Browns, Broncos, Colts, Dolphins, Raiders, Rams, and 49ers that all don't have a first-round pick, 
in this year's draft. And the first one, thank goodness, is the Bears at 39. So when you're looking at all of this, wide receiver is going to be an extremely high demand. A lot of those teams need wide receiver help, but they don't have the picks really to take them in the first two rounds. So are we going to see some double dipping, do you think? I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of situations that could be interesting with some of the teams that have taken over those two picks there, but everyone has their individual takes when it comes to the draft and we're no different. So we figured we just kind of go in, have a fun little exercise, talk about some predictions for you guys. Um, what we have for the draft, our hopes, our fullest dreams, uh, you know, the biggest fears for the colors that are just ingrained on our hearts. Um, and that honestly subconsciously drive all of our rankings, even if we don't want to admit it. Um, but yeah, so we've got a couple of questions, discussions. The first one I'll pose to you, Britt, is what is the one thing that you'll be shocked by if it doesn't happen on day one of the NFL draft? Uh, I think that I'm going to be shocked. Yeah, one that doesn't happen. I think I'd be shocked. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So what I'd be shocked, what I what would I not be shocked if it happened? Uh, I'd be shocked if Jamison will, or excuse me, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson don't go top fifteen in NFL draft. I just think that yeah. you know, I, I'm and I'm not a big Chris Olave fantasy guy, but I think that like his skills are extraordinarily malleable and accessible for NFL franchises, and I think that it's very likely they're going to go both high because they're good players, and they, you have to respect that. They may not have the ceiling you want for fantasy, but they sure as fuck have the floor. Also, I just want to add, quickly add in the Philadelphia Eagles have. Fucked up every single wide receiver draft they've had in this, in census. So the least they could do is at least take these two boners in the NFL draft in the first round. So we don't have to worry about them more. If the Philadelphia Eagles spend pick, what is it, 15 and 18 on Christian Watson and Jahan Dawson, I will fucking buy a Philadelphia lifetime subscription. I will buy a seat at the stadium. I don't even live in Philadelphia. I will be a forever fan if they just do me this one favor so I can stop worrying about them. That's fair. Yeah, for me, um, the thing I'll be shocked if it doesn't happen is if Detroit leaves day one without a rookie quarterback that was drafted in the first round. Um, I don't think that they leave without a quarterback on their roster, um, whether or not that's at two reaching for a guy that I don't think they should take it to, or whether or not that is picking one of the remaining three guys that I think will be left at 32. Um, They could also package those two picks to move up if they really wanted to of 34 and 32 if they really got in nasty but i would be shocked if they don't leave the first round without a quarterback um when it comes to it what's the one thing you'll be shocked by if it does happen day one i guess shocked so i put out hmm. what i think is going to happen is i think sky Moore goes round one what i'd be shocked by that happens is isaiah stiller is the first running back off the board and he's going to the fucking bills because the bills have an archetype and it's Fat, or that's rude, but big, slow <laughs> running backs who are annoying. And that's literally who Isaiah Spiller is. So Isaiah Spiller is going to go get drafted by the Bills and pick like 25, 26, whatever they are. He's going to go running back one to some rookie, just in some drafts, you're welcome to those draftees. And then you can just celebrate the fact that at least this, you can talk about Isaiah Spiller against Kenneth Walker again in a fun, competitive manner. Yeah, that's fair. Um, for me, I'll be shocked if the Saints draft a quarterback. Um, they have two picks. I think it makes significantly more sense to get a young alpha wide receiver to pair with Michael Thomas and an offensive tackle to race. But then those two might be a little bit foolish, especially due to how I I've been paying a lot of attention to the beat 
reporters and the media for the Saints to see exactly what the quarterback situation is with them. And I feel like the plan was always to bring back Winston unless they were to get Watson. I feel like that was always the plan, and they signed him back. Um, All reports of the last couple of years is that he's been – the perfect guy in the locker room and above average quarterback in the games that he's been playing. And if it weren't for the ACL, they'd probably make the playoffs last year. Um, so when you're looking at the saints, I'd be shocked if they take a quarterback. Um, who's one bold player that you think will be drafted on day one. And do you have a landing spot in mind? I feel like we already touched on it. Do you have a landing spot for potentially Mr. Skymore? Just grooming through prime wide receiver spots later in the draft. Ah, uh, Kansas City. Uh, Is he? Yeah, I guess. I don't really love that. I don't really know where he's going to go. He's going to go with really Juju. <laughs> yeah, that, and right when I was like, no, it doesn't work. Juju's there. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kansas City's Skymore's is probably going to go going to go somewhere. It's going to be fantastic and wonderful. Oh, you know what? Send his ass to Detroit. Pick thirty-two and put a dagger through Amon Ross St. Brown's heart. That's what there I'm going to I'd be down for that. Um, yeah, for me, I went defensive, so there's a little bit of IDP love. Uh, Lewis Seen, he's a safety out of Georgia. Um, a lot of people are talking about Dax Hill being the um, quote-unquote safety number two, um, but Lewis Seen is the best tackling safety that's in the entire draft right now, and he's got a lot of physicality and a lot of speed to his game. Um, he reminds me a lot of a guy like Honey Badger, so they Kansas City Chiefs at the end of the draft need a safety now after letting Honey Badger go. They brought in Justin Reed, but Justin Reed is a true free safety. They still don't have a safety two or safety three. Um, Juan Thornhill has been kind of a liability since coming back from his injury. So Lewisine steps in immediately for the Chiefs or the Giants if they trade up to where Tampa Bay is at 27 or the Bengals to get a true um, safety after Real Peppers left. Um, just just some options for you there, but I think that he is going to be the safety two if I had to project. So that's my bold pick. Um, what's bold player that you think will not be drafted on day one? Do you have anyone that you think might fall? I guess uh, George Pickens probably out of round one. I guess apparently he's a round one guy. Can you shut up out there? I'm podcasting. <laughs> wow, the urge of these big trucks making noises. <laughs> Um, you know, people are saying George Pickens is a first round talent in the NFL draft. I think they're dumb. Uh, I think he falls out of the first round. I'll probably go early second. That's fair. Um, for me, uh, this one's again, bold. I went Caliente. Uh, it's Jameson Williams. Uh, this is a guy injury based one year producer. We've heard all this talk during the buildup of the draft about these Ohio wide receivers going higher than what we think. We've heard the hype for the Christian Watson. We've heard the hype for pretty much everyone in the first round, Jahad Dawson. We've heard about a falling Traylon Burks. We haven't heard anything about Jamison Williams, whether or not he's rising or he's falling and he's coming off an injury. There's only been really one player over the last couple of years I can remember, and that was Justin Simmons coming off of any type of torn ligament that went in the first round when you're going to get basically a red shirt of the first couple months of the season. Um, I would love to see Jamison Williams go to the Arizona Cardinals. We've chatted about this in the past. I feel like he is their prototypical deep threat. That is exactly what they were looking for and an upgrade to what they had in Christian Kirk last year. But if he does fall, I think he would fall immediately out of the first where people are safer picking him in the second in that T Higgins range of either 33 or 34 to the Jacksonville Jaguars because they love wide receivers that are fast or the Detroit Lions who still need a deep threat because they only signed DJ Chark for one year. Um, Caliente, I know, but that's just a weird feeling I have about him. 
the next one, if you have one lock and loaded draft pick in the first round, one player that you are bullish, you think you know 100% where he's going to go, who is it? It is going to be Traylon Burks to Dallas. It's boring, it's annoying, but Traylon Burks is going to go to Dallas and everyone's going to freak the fuck out over who's going to win the Rocket vs. Scissors match between Burks and CeeDee Lamb for who can play in their rightful spot in the slot. Um, <laughs> I also think Traylon Burks is probably one of the most likely guys to fall out of the first round too. I first forgot about him, to be completely honest with you. But I mean... <laughs> you can see it, yeah. yeah. Uh, mine's also a wide receiver and I didn't talk about this earlier because it's... Uh gonna hurt me uh chris olave to the houston texans at 13 uh that is a pick where they need a deep threat wide receiver they have nico collins they already have the true underneath guy in brandon cooks and who's better to teach brandon cooks successor and the guy who plays very similarly to brandon cooks and chris olave um we think he's gonna go top 15 he's a guy that realistically is not gonna leapfrog a guy like um garrett wilson his counterpart at Ohio state. And this is just a pick that would just like really frustrate me because I would probably hate this landing spot more than almost any other landing spot that he could potentially go to. Um, so I just feel it in my bones. It's going to physically hurt me and he's going to go to the Houston Texans at 13. Um, if you, this one's near and dear to your heart. It's the last question on our list. If you can will with all powers in your being one player into existence for your team, uh, for those of you that don't know, Mr. Britt is a Seattle Seahawks fan. Uh, if you could will one person at pick nine to your team, who would it be and why? has to be realistically, obviously, um, because I'd give my left nut to have a lave fall to the Bears at 39, but that's just not going to happen anymore. I was going to say Russell Wilson, but eh, that's not possible. <laughs> uh, uh, um, man, I would love Sauce Gardner. Honestly, if we're going to keep old curmudgeonly Pete Carroll, then we need a better defense. And if we need a better defense, we're going to need our safeties and our cornerbacks to be fucking shut lights out. And I think sauce is one of the best corners of this draft. So sauce at nine would make me just really real, all sorts of really what I want. What I really want is the saints to trade up with us. So we can get two first and just continue to stockpile later on. But uh, did you see the chargers tweet this year, this week or today? No, into a fucking sidekick and the sidekick's like, they're like, something's going to happen with pick now. I was like, well, fuck me, right? The Chargers are going <laughs> to fuck the Seahawks. We got a third round back. The Chargers get two firsts. Everything sucks. The Chargers have been just dropping big old dirty nuts on the Seahawks last five drafts, taking sniping guys right in front of us, and they're going to do it again. And I'm just – I'm so tired of them being good. I hate everything. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you on that one. Uh, for me, it's a guy that you talked about falling out. Um, my dream pick – if George Pickens does fall out of the first, I want him in Chicago at 39. Um, he fills a role perfectly that we need. He is a more aggressive, more in-your-face version of Allen Robinson with more speed. Um, he is a true alpha, and I think he's a perfect complement to Darnell Mooney, who they already have. And Byron Pringle finally getting the role of a slot wide receiver on a team. Um, it's where he's made his bread and butter. It just didn't make sense to why Demarcus Robinson was playing in KC. But for me, um, I flip-flopped all, all season with Pickens is being my wide receiver four and wide receiver five. If he goes to a landing spot that needs a true X, he's going to be my four in the class post-draft realistically, um, even higher if he ends up hopping some of the guys that are earlier in a lot of people's rankings. Um, but yeah, that was our draft recap, po- people. Um, is there any last-second advice that you want to give the people regarding – how to handle the immediate buzz following the NFL draft. So there's always a hype. There's always a buzz. There's always an overreaction due to landing spots. Um, mm-hmm. Any 
smart advice or one pinpoint thing you can tell the viewers and listeners here of how you handle dealing with exciting landing spots or really shitty landing spots? Yeah. Um, if you drink during the draft, which I mean, I'm assuming everyone does unless you're sober and that if, if that's the case, then please stay sober. Uh, <laughs> put your phone in a lockbox. Just don't fucking touch it. You're going to be high and happy and on all sorts of fun chemicals. Just don't fucking do it. Um, but in, in all seriousness, every time a prospect that you really like lands in a great landing spot, think of the worst case scenario. Just think of the worst possible case scenario and then convince yourself that's what's going to happen. You're going to get warmed up later on, so it doesn't matter. But you just need something to cool and dampen those flames. But also let yourself enjoy the fact that like your guy got a really great spot. Enjoy that. Just don't send out any trades. And dear God, don't trade for draft picks right now. And don't trade away your draft picks. Wait till you're on the clock and you're in your rookie drafts. Yeah. Also, thanks for having me on. This yeah. is fucking awesome. Yeah, it was fun. I had a good time. Uh, sound advice just underneath an hour here, people. Um, like we said, this is Mr. Britt Sanders uh, at VFF Sandman on Twitter. Um, you want to plug anything? You want to talk about anything? Uh, if you haven't listened to Rookie on the Rise, I'm a longtime listener. Love the show. Love just, you know, digging in with some fun uh, out of left field um, questions on your guys' individual show. I'm still waiting for that Calvin Austin draft capital, even in the seventh, baby. Give it to me. Uh, but we'll see it. Uh, yeah, anything you want to plug? Yeah, so you can find my you can find my uh, Twitter handle at the FF Sandman. You can find me on my podcast at uh, Rookie on the Rise. I also do a analytic podcast for Devi called Predictive Measures of Success. That's underneath the Devi Deep Dive umbrella in our channel. Just type that in, you'll see my episodes post every little bit. <clears throat> uh, May twenty second is going to be our Devi Summit. It's going to be a six hour podathon. You're going to see a tremendous amount of uh, content. We have some killer guests. We got Angelo FF. Uh, the Devi to Devi Deep Dive Boys, all of us are going to be there. Campus Canton Boys are all going to be there. The Rookie Big Board Boys are all going to be there. It's going to be stockpiled full of a tremendous amount of talent and smarts. And the best part is it's a charity and all the proceeds are going to go towards Ukrainian refugees. We have our stuff on Viridian Global. So if you at least can go and purchase a Devi Summit, some swag or gear, whatever the kids call it, drip, I think, is these days. Uh, those proceeds are also going to go help Ukrainian refugees. I think we're running through UNICEF, so you know that they're not going to Red Cross and take away a bunch of our good or hard-earned donated money. But that's probably the best cause I can think of to take up my time to find a little bit here. Dallas, thank you so much for having me on. This was fantastic. Yeah, as always, it's a pleasure. Um, he's a great guy. He does things for great causes. Um, always enjoy our banter back and forth. But all you listeners out there, as always, this has been the Rookie Rundown on the DWZ Network. I'm your host, Dallas. And next week's the draft. Sorry, this week's the draft. You're going to be hearing this next week. Sorry. Recording a little early today. But, uh, yeah, get excited. We're finally going to see some landing spots for these rookies, and I am just as excited as you. Till next time, see ya. Peace. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.